Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dave and Sam Clay. I'm back once again. I've returned. <laughs> you take cues well. Yeah, I try, I try my best. Yeah. yeah, and so it's not necessarily an issue, I don't think, of uh, me having to tell you. <laughs> it's just like we're, no, it's just, we're starting to get a rhythm. Yeah, I think that's what they call it, a rhythm. Rhythm is very important and stuff like this. So Sam. Yes. In that same spirit of rhythm, <laughs> we always begin with me reading an uh, article. It's like a schedule. It's a cue. It is. And again, psychology today seems to be a great resource for us. I like it. Uh, I can get some really uh, brief sort of, uh, I guess, I, they're not primary articles because really what they are are really authors who take what is available in other journals and bring it down to something very short and very palpable. It's our go-to source. Well, it's great for that purpose, that reason, uh, is that we don't have a lot of time to cover a lot of research, uh, read very long-winded abstracts, uh, or set up scientific methodology or explain all that. So the summary of it, the synthesis of it, is good, right? Because it's just to the point. Yeah. And, uh, Again, it seems to flow. <laughs> As with rhythm, flow and rhythm, it yes. seems very to very important. It very seems important. to flow very, very well. Very important. So, based on Psychology Today, June of 2018, the article. Hear me out. Want to change someone's opinion? Start by listening. Paying close attention to speakers can lower their social anxiety and make them more open-minded, according to a series of papers in Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. Quote, when someone argues with us, we feel as if our right to hold our beliefs is being violated. So we bolster our own attitudes, says a social psychologist at Ona Academic College in Israel. Again, quote, but attentive listening makes speakers feel psychologically safe so they can begin to notice contradictions in their own assertions, he explains, and they may better tolerate contradictory thoughts and emotions. Itzakov and colleagues. Good, is, job. Good job with that one. His, his, his first name's Guy, so we'll just call it Guy from this point on. Okay, Guy. And colleagues have also found that people who speak about controversial topics to a careful listener rather than a less attentive one feel more confident that they understand their own beliefs without feeling more correct. Further, there's evidence that these speakers' opinions end up being less extreme. Attentive listening techniques that could prove helpful include avoiding distractions, such as cell phones, and showing empathy with nonverbal cues like smiling and head nodding. Perhaps just as important, Itzchikov says, you must recognize times when you simply aren't able to listen. And that was in quotes. Better to postpone a weighty talk to a time when you can give it your full attention. Sheer Poland is the author. Again, Psychology Today, hear me out. Yes. <laughs> about, about that. So we're in the rhythm, right? We're in the groove. We're in the rhythm. Now yeah. we talk about our findings, yes. our, our readings. It's yes. Rhythm you are, yes, you're starting to get this down really well. I, I try my best. Try my Do hardest. you think that's true? And why, then? They offered some insights as to conjecture as to why they think it's true. 
But do you believe it's true? And also, then why? And if not, then why not? I think that attentive listening is a is a very good thing to do, and it's a good. I think it's better to listen and hear out everything someone has to say before you jump to conclusions, because it may make a point that you disagree with, but then they back up with evidence from their argument or just something like that, or they they make a statement, but they don't say, or they finish up saying by. And I think this is wrong because in the name X, Y, and Z of why they're right. And so it could really change your opinion. It's better to just listen all the way through than to really just jump to conclusions like that. I don't know that argument always has to be with negative connotation. When someone uses that word, you used it. I don't think you meant it in some sort of a negative way. But I do believe, though, that there is probably an extreme to arguments and even some personalities that tend to be driven to be argumentative. And with that, that probably ties to some psychological concept. Uh, My first thought on that would be self-esteem. Maybe the argumentative people are individuals who have some self-esteem issues. They don't really feel as confident as they should, and hence they assert themselves maybe more than just being assertive. They tend to be aggressive, and it's just not occasional. It's all the time. Personality. Those individuals seem to probably engender a lot of resistance, and if they encounter that in a more aggressive way, it could be not only an argument that has... Could be bad. Yes, could be bad. Implications bad. Uh, it could be also the kind of in a passive sort of way. People might smile and shake their heads, yes, but tune you out, not pay any attention, uh, turn you off at some point along the way, and when they walk away, say... What was it he was saying? <laughs> yeah, they just kind of tune you out there. They don't tune care. Yeah, tune you out. They don't have to tell you they don't yeah, care. One thing, just tune you out. They just simply don't care. So I do agree with the article that being somewhat argumentative or anything that would go into instead of trying to be disarming, listening might then be just very wise. But I also believe, though, that listening is part of empiricism. Uh, If you are not able to take the data in, then you may have preconceived paradigms or notions. Uh, Maybe it's a subject matter or maybe it's an issue that you've talked about before. But you've got preconceived notions. You've got ideas, what's right and what's wrong. Maybe you've thought about it a lot. Maybe you've thought about it a little. True empiricism, when applied to hypothetical deductive reasoning, logic, rationality, really means taking new data in. Maybe you've heard it all before. I don't know. Some individuals are probably more educated than others when they're making their case for what is or what isn't true. But if you're really going to give it serious consideration, I don't know that... It is just to disarm the other person. It would just seem that you should listen. You should take in all the facts. You should be open and receptive. Yeah, I think by taking in all the facts and being open and receptive, as you said, can really help you just formulate your own opinion. Or really, the more information you have, the better you can formulate an opinion on something or your feelings towards something like that. So in a simple sort of way, if you're defensive... You can't get all the information. You're not. If you're in your own head. It's hard to understand something or think about it a different way if you're really just so set. You're not going to learn. You're so set on thinking one way. It's hard. You're to, not going to contribute in any sort of meaningful way to something better. 
And, and I think learning is always part of adapting. And adapting is always, for me, as adapting means a better life, more life, quality and quantity. If you're going to make the world a better place, <laughs> you're going to make your little world a better place, you need to be able to take in the information without being defensive. I think people go through life sometimes that way. They don't want any troubles, <laughs> any headaches. They've got preconceived notions. Uh, everything's a headache. Everything's trouble. Everything's a problem. And so they're avoidant. But people who are avoidant usually don't learn. <laughs> and people who are avoidant usually don't engage. And people who are avoidant, who are avoidant usually don't adapt very well. It's kind of like what we were saying earlier. You're just so set on just like avoiding it or not focusing on just like what you can learn by listening and stuff. You're just so just in your own head. You can't think about anything else other than what your head wants you to think about, your brain wants you to think about. So I'm not sure it's just, again, disarming the other person as much as it kind of reflects either knowing and understanding what true learning is and, and a personality that is embracing of new information, new experiences in life that wants to grow and learn or one that otherwise is in either a shutdown mode or retreat in some sort of way. But I will tell you this, Probably that then means if you've got something you want to say to somebody and they're in a defensive posture, you probably aren't going to win the argument to begin with. So why have it? You know, it's not like just wait till you have time. I think the article uh, was yeah. suggesting that. Uh, don't talk about it now. Uh, it didn't say if you're in a bad mood. No, but you kind of get the idea. Yeah. But I don't know, even more... If I could take it one dimension further, I think, too, when you attack anybody, you're probably going to get defensiveness in return. It's just the way we are. Yeah, just how it works. It maybe gets into that fight or flight thing. Paradigms usually uh, connect some more immediately, some more remotely to who we are. Our identity. And when you start to attack someone's paradigm, even if it's kind of remote, it's an extension of who they are. And if you push hard enough, you'll get a response. They're gonna feel attacked. Yeah, you'll get a response from them. Yes. And with that, then what should you expect to return? Defense. Defensive. Anger and being anger. Defensiveness. Angry. And you're right, because fight or flight, neuropronephrine and adrenaline, sympathetic nervous system. That usually is measured in either terms of fight or flight, anxiety would be the flight, fight would be the anger. And uh, that for sure then probably breaks communication off. It fits that old traditional model that we talk of in psychology about being either passive, aggressive, passive, aggressive, or assertive in terms of communication style. And I think it's not only learned communications, but I do think, again, in that same sort of manner, it's a personality. It gets to who the individual is. And more than just communicating, it usually tells a lot about how they look at life. Their overall model for engaging life, other people included in that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I feel like just that, that idea, it can really just help you just... So looking at it that way it can really give you an idea of just how the person is, what the personality is, and just, just stuff like that. 
I also believe that when you start to even as much you might be open to engaging with, actively wanting to learn or know more or adapt, there is going to be a point where when you start to test then, if you've taken the information in, if you're open to getting all the facts, you start to test it. And generally testing it does mean that somewhere inside of you there is a juxtapositioning of one side, one point, one perspective versus another. It's not argumentative in an aggressive way. It's not a fight. It's, it's not going to, as you said earlier, we said earlier, it's not going to turn out bad. But if I challenge you on a belief, your belief that I'm challenging, you're going to probably end up kind of retrenching, uh, making sure you establish the foundation for yourself. No, this is what I believe before you ever then begin to really say, well, maybe I should reconsider that. Yeah, I feel like also it just makes you really rethink it. If someone gives you a different idea, you could be like, you almost have to think about what they're saying and think, is this really possible? Is it really true? Am I really just, am I wrong or is he just wrong? You really got to think about that. It well, really... we're dichotomous thinkers by nature. We're binary. That's how we learn. Kids learn by contrast. But even so, most parents realize that as they've parented, if they really are going to teach their child anything, the older they get, the more the paradigms are kind of sophisticated. The, the, the level of sophistication of the paradigms increases. It's, it's part of the construct of who that child is, emergent personality. But what you have to do is you have to work through that. You have to proceed somewhat slowly. You have to expect some opposition, some defiance. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not listening. It just means... No, they just kind of maybe don't feel the same. Or they just, you know, different different feelings. Entirely possible. And then that's also based on what their experiences have been. But if you've ever tried to correct a, a child, an adolescent, who believes they're right, <laughs> what, what do you usually, as a parent, what should you expect at least... A good bit of time to encounter. A little bit of whiplash, fight back, a little bit of attitude from the child. They're, they're disagreeing with you and they don't really know why they're wrong or why you're telling them, but they just think they're right. So does that mean that they're not open or to receiving input? I think, I wouldn't say they're not open. They just are so, like, the younger you are, the more set they are. They don't, their brain hasn't developed. They can't, they haven't thought about the other possibilities and they just, what they think is what's right for them. They think what they're thinking is just, it's always right and that anything else is probably not, like, oh, why didn't I think of this? It's probably not right. I wouldn't say they're not open. It's just they're not, like, they're a little bit more straightforward thinking. So maybe it is a bit of maturity, too. I think so, yeah. I think the older you are, the more open you are to stuff and the more you see things. So in pursuit of your undergraduate degree? Yes. Which you're, you're hotly pursuing. I'm, I'm on the case. <laughs> you're on the case. Are you going to have to take a requisite, a requiem history class? I went ahead and took that in high school, I believe, because I took a dual credit class in high school. But I think that was my prerequisite for any history class I would need to take. So I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Why would they ever require someone, and, and your degree is liberal arts, 
it's a liberal arts college. So, yes. Yeah. So, so <laughs> everybody knows what liberal arts colleges are all about. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not STEM. <gasps> no. And so it's like, okay, it's an extension of high school. We're going to teach you a little bit more. We're going to refine your ability to think Make a little, little bit more. more. A little bit more difficult. But why would and even with STEM? Science, technology, engineering, math, those kind of colleges that specialize in, in that, uh, in those areas, those domains. They still require some general courses that probably includes history. I think they do that because they just want to have like a nice base for what they're teaching you. So you kind of already have like an idea of what like building blocks type deal, kind of like Legos, like you can just build off something. Well, if you don't know the past... And, and you're not going to experience everything firsthand. No, well, if you don't know the past, you can't know about what's being taught to you now. You don't know why this happening or what happened before. If They, they can't reference, like, oh, the, these Egyptians did this back yeah. in the day in the past. So, And you're like, oh. And such the foundations of probably each individual discipline, whether it's chemistry or some other branch of yeah. science or it's psychology. The same, it's the same idea. But the, the history was just a good example, but it can be no. with like anything. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, I brought up the example you, yeah. you didn't mention it so it wasn't something you came up with but but what I'm trying to chase down is this though that when you begin to learn all of that you're beginning to take in data that adds to your paradigm and presuming that by the time you leave high school you've got a strong sense of who you are there's going to be a lot of things that you learn in school it's not a matter of brainwashing you but it's a matter of backfilling and it's a matter probably of some maturity in that it catches us all up in a general sort of way with our history, whether it is cultural as to the particular country, particular region, state that you uh, grew up in or that you're attending school in, uh, or whether it's international, whether it's, it's the world that we're talking about rather than a particular country or particular community. But all of that's important because there's a developmental sort of aspect to it. But, you know, some people are res resistant or perceive that to be brainwashing. Some people don't want to learn history. Some people are rejecting of history. Some people actually want to change history to sort of match up with their worldview or their paradigm. And can you see anything wrong with that? I, the past is the past and it's already happened and I don't really think you can do anything to change that. And the more they try to change it, the more it'll just kind of... It's kind of like what we were talking earlier with the argumentative thing. They'll get really just straightforward and level-headed, and they can't really take in, like, sometimes a history class, people have a difficult time taking in different, like, things that have happened. It's like, oh, that's bad, or this happened, this happened. But it's just, it, they're level-headed, and they don't, I feel like they don't want to, like... They can't think. They're level-headed, and it's what we were talking about earlier. It's a primary yeah. and damning... Yeah sort of error when it comes to science. Yeah. Because you're not learning. You're trying to take reality and shape it to your paradigm. Yes. And people who usually do that are people who otherwise are either somewhat threatened, defensive again, self-esteem issues, maybe in some narcissistic sort of way they think they know it all or they have all the answers or all the information. But when you stop listening... You stop taking in data when you've closed your mind to new perspectives, even if they're old perspectives, they might be new to you. 
And I don't want this to just be about people in college, <laughs> individuals of well, that it's age. Just an example. You could right, but you can continue that through your whole life. Yeah. There's there's prejudices, there's bigotry, there's all these really negative we used again the word bad, the adjective bad earlier. There's all these people who think in those kind of flawed ways and have shut themselves off from the world. They're avoidant of new information, new data. So how can you begin to communicate to somebody who's already begun to feel somewhat threatened, overwhelmed, who really have in their feelings of low self-esteem and inadequacy sort of begun, began to resort to, have begun or began to resort to some level of defensiveness, not only denial, but maybe in personality terms, they've become narcissistic against all the reality, they insist they're right. And All I, the feedback that they're yeah, getting yeah. is reality. I feel like it's just good to, um, whether you may think it's right or not, or just, just at least try to think about it from another person's like perspective. It, just stuff like that. Just to try and just, well, if you're in history classes, try and just, for an example, again, what we're, we were talking about the college thing, or just history, re, prerequisite class or anything like that. I think it's just good to just try to think about, okay, this happened, the world I live in now is what happened now has an effect on this, whether it was good or bad, if you're okay with like living in the world you're in now, or if you're, it's, you're alive, so it can't be that bad, it can't be horrible, it's happened for a reason, and this is kind of like... It's developed into what you're living in now. Sometimes, though, people really, and I agree with everything you're saying, but sometimes people don't even get to that point because they don't get to any consideration because the moment you start to disagree with them, they become so defensive. And they just they just lock out. They're just level-headed and straightforward. But I think that's where, within the context of this article, and the author called it attentive listening techniques, from Guy. Yes. Again, the, the uh, title of the article, Hear Me Out, is that's where it's really critical that we at least do the best we can to be somewhat disarming. And if we have any confidence in our empiricism and our use of the hypothetical deductive model of reasoning, logic, element of common sense, then we can afford to be a little bit less, I guess, defensive ourselves less aggressive. We don't have to go through life feeling like we can't say anything. We can say it assertively, getting back to those that kind of model of communication, passive, aggressive, passive, aggressive, and assertive. And we can really then begin to communicate by listening first. I don't feel threatened by your paradigm or you telling me at your what you how you think and you know if I'm really doing practicing what I say that I'm doing if I actually put that into practice that again hypothetical deductive model of reasoning and logic empiricism then I may learn something from you <laughs> I may just look at you and say you know something you're right I never thought of it that way but at least I've got your perspective and with that, I've tried to empathize with you, tried to listen, tried to demonstrate an openness, tried to even understand your emotional reactions, which is more along the line for me of empathy. But for that to really work in terms of me then getting the privilege to communicate with you, to share any sort of different paradigm with you, it disarms. 
But you may teach me something that I don't know. You may share a perspective I had never considered. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's always good. If you can try and see the other person's perspective on stuff, you could think like you were saying, oh, hey, you're right. And if you don't think they're right, well, you still tried. You still try to look at their perspective. And I think that's good because you don't automatically have to just direct hate towards something if you can just like in your brain you can just try and understand at least where they're coming from and if you still disagree well that's okay you try to understand it stuff like that so generally speaking in my line of work against psychological counseling i attempt to model that not only for the sake of finding out what my patient needs from me what their end intentioned result would be what they see as the win or the goal of coming to see me but if I can empower them along the way by sharing this model, and maybe not everybody has had a chance to go to school, college, university, and learn this. I think it should be taught in high schools. I don't know if that's happening. It's been a long time since I've been in high school. But certainly, this is nothing new at least the way that you study things, the way that you take in information. But we should never have some preconceived notion that we're not willing to at least modify with new facts, new data. And if we do, we're committing not only a primary error of measurement when it comes to science, but what we're also doing is we're living our life in some sort of a maladaptive retreatist, if that's the word, we're pulling back. We're really not engaging. We're really not learning. We're really not adapting. And generally speaking, people get sick when, when reality doesn't match their paradigm. Because they and they just they feel that way because they just don't like to believe what's really happening because they're just so set on thinking a certain way. Gets back to what we've been talking about the whole time. You're so set on thinking a certain way that you can't try to learn from different perspectives and understand why things are the way that they are. So I could start any sort of discourse, conversation, about, well, hear me out. <laughs> that's the intention of the article, although that's the title of it. Uh, but I do believe what the article is speaking to, Shira Poland is speaking to, the author, is that we need to all own that. But if we did, then we'd probably reduce a lot of arguments. And along the way, there's nothing quite like feeling like somebody is listening to you because you feel like your points are valid. Or at least your presentation, you are valid. Even if there may be some refinement to what you're saying, some additional modification, uh, some learning that goes with it. But at least they're not invalidating you. And in psychology, psychological counseling sort of lingo, we like to differentiate between validation of the person and then what they say. Because there's nobody that knows everything. There's nobody that has the answer to everything, except it would be how to find the answer. If you know how to find the answer, it's pretty hard to imagine you can't find it. But you're not going to know everything because you're limited in your capacity either to experience it all or if you could, you can't store it all. Do you remember everything from that history class? Um, <laughs> the no. Egyptians, you learned that. Yeah, well, I don't even think I learned that in there. I just had a prerequisite knowledge from previous findings on Google and teachings. Well, 
That's a great point too though. Google, Google. is a great resource. Yeah. Never has there been known to humankind access to so much information. They're just all the records and such findings from other people. Just make sure whatever you Google or your source on Google. Not necessarily Google, just any search engine. Is yes, sound. Yes. Yeah, you right? Gotta, you gotta Valid right. and yeah. reliable fact-checked. Or you're going to end up getting a lot Scholarly, of... Scholarly, peer-reviewed sources. Propaganda out there. So, Sam, I want you to hear me out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I can only get that when I otherwise listen. Seems paradoxical, counterintuitive. But when you kind of look at it the way we have today on the podcast, maybe it's not so. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> you got anything you want to add to that? It's been a pleasure as always being here. Yes, well, I enjoy having you here too. I do want to also allow our listeners to receive that compliment. It's a pleasure having them on uh, the other end, as with the listening and uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, and I want to remind our listeners as well that they're listening to Word with Day Clay and Sam Clay and uh, would want them back for our next I guess, addition. Whenever that may be. Hopefully word. soon. Of word. Which hopefully will be soon. In the meantime, 